Hey Liberty, we're joining the feel good revolution. From the founders of Drybar, meet Squeeze. Squeeze is a revolutionary app-based concept that's now opened in Studio City, California. You can book, pay, and tip within the app, so all you do is walk in and then float on out. Select your therapist from any of their certified massage therapists and pre-enter your massage preferences so that when you arrive for your massage, you're ready to unwind without any of those awkward exchanges. My gal pals over at Squeeze are excited to share a special offer with each of you. Liberty listeners and their friends can receive $30 off their first squeeze. That's right, $30 off your first massage using the code Liberty, L-I-B-E-R-T-Y. And this code is valid through the end of the month. So valid through 73119. All you do is enter the code using the Squeeze app or at squeezemassage.com. It's easy peasy squeezy. Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Hello there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. I'm so excited to be here today with Brittany Driscoll and Allie Webb of both Squeeze and Drybar. But today we're going to talk about Squeeze and their second act and exactly why they launched another soon to be successful business, right? Mm-hmm. Well, already yes. successful. Uh, already Come successful. <laughs> okay, yes, let's just, let's yes, just, but, let's just but, call but it what it is. brand new. It's, okay. it's a still okay. baby business. So welcome um, to our audience. We actually have a very intimate live podcast audience with us today, and uh, we are excited to get started. So really quickly, can you guys each, um, and take turns, um, Brittany, you can go first. Tell us a little bit about your experience before you started with Drybar. And then your experience with Drybar, and then we'll kind of go into the, the squeeze story. Sure. So I started my career in marketing and advertising, and I worked for several different agencies along the way, ones that specialized in specific focuses. So I started in experiential and event marketing, and I moved to more data segmentation, analytics. CRM marketing for a while and then made my way to brand, uh, fun kind of campaign, advertising specifically. And then from there, I became a huge brand fan of this this little known thing at the time called Drybar and and the stars kind of aligned. They were looking for a head of marketing. And so when I started, there was one uh, one marketing person on the team that was kind of r- running across all different, you know, areas of focus. And I spent four years really helping to build out the team and processes and protocols and had a blast doing it. When I started, there were around 25 locations. And when I left, there were over 80. And there's now like 120, which is crazy. And the product line itself had started 
uh, in 70 Sephora doors, and that's when I started. And then flash forward to today, I helped really launch um, the line into Sephora, Ulta, Nurture, and Bloomingdale's, and then international expansion into France, Canada, and Mexico. So it was it was such an amazing experience and time. What was the piece of, of that? Because you sort of listed two things in terms of the actual brick and mortar piece of it and then the product piece. What was the piece that you really liked doing or felt like, ooh, this is, this is my kind of secret place that I love to hang out in? Yeah. I mean, I love, I love products, but I really have always been an experienced person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started my career in experiential marketing and I think that that's actually, I didn't know that I wanted to go into marketing. And I think that that is what drew me into just this idea that a brand could create an amazing connection with people. Mm-hmm. I've always been a people person. And so I think the experience side of it was always exciting to me. I mean, it's certainly the emotional connection that people have with Drybar. And I think any brand that's able to have that, you know, direct one-to-one connection. So the experience I and the... want to come back to the experience piece as it relates to your staff in a second. So, because I think that's an important piece of what they get at Drybar. So Ali, can you tell us kind of your story pre-Drybar and then the, I was doing blow dries from the back of my car, <laughs> that story. Well, not actually from the yes, back Yes, but going <laughs> from, but that is from how location it's often written to location. About. Yeah, well, I mean, it really stems from my childhood and it's it, blowouts were always kind of a personal, you know, necessity for me, and which, you know, sounds funny, but even as a kid, I grew up in South Florida where it's like humid, humidity yeah. and you know I had naturally curly hair that just was even bigger because I was living in South Florida and you I, have naturally curly hair I, no, I, I will show you a picture hair. okay I just blew my hand out that's why you can't tell but mine doesn't look like that even when I blow it you're out. not a professional who's been doing hair for 25 years like me this is a fact <laughs> this is true this you is don't true. own a chain of blow yeah. dry bars <laughs> you haven't spent like a thousand million hours perfecting your hair yeah. I, I literally have and, and it all started back when I was a kid and I used to, you know, I, I clocked countless hours in my bathroom and it, it didn't look like this. I mean, it was yeah. like, it was such a process. And I was really so mystified, truly mystified. And at that time it was like, you know, Cindy Crawford and Christy Brinkley were the big like supermodels. And yeah. I was like, how in the world does their hair look like that? Like, how do they get it to be like kind of wavy, but bouncy and soft? And I was like, my hair doesn't look like that. And, you know, it was like, it was such a like aha moment for me when I started like going to the hair salon with my mom and and the stylist would blow out my hair and I was like, oh, this is how they do it. And so then I would try to figure out how to do it. And this could be a very long story, but basically, <laughs> you know, f- hair was always just this passion of mine, I think, because I couldn't figure out how to do mine and it was such yeah. like a personal challenge. And, you know, fast forward to like finishing high school and figuring out what I was going to do with my life and just feeling very lost. And I thought I wanted to work in fashion and my parents had their own clothing store growing up and that seemed like kind of a natural path for me. And it didn't end up being what I wanted to do. And I really like floundered around for a long time after high school and my friends all knew what they were doing and had majors and I was just so lost. And, you know, finally my, my brother, Michael Landa, who's my business partner, we actually opened a couple of Nicole Miller boutiques together, you know, many lifetimes ago when I was in my early twenties and realized I didn't want to do that. Him and I were fighting so much. It was just bad. And that's when I actually made the decision to go to beauty school and really felt like I had like found my people and my calling and I was so happy. And then I became a professional hairstylist. And that was like, I don't know how many years ago, 25 ish years ago. And, and I remember when I was cutting hair, I couldn't wait to get to the blow dry part. The haircut to the blowout because that's when you really like saw the haircut and the hair come to life. Right. That's when the client lit up because 
that's what she saw said. And I always loved, and I think again, it was that deep seated, like trying, you know, now I knew how to get the Christy Brinkley hair and I loved giving everybody that. And I loved seeing how women's, you know, demeanor changed and and how much it meant to me. And I couldn't articulate all that back then. I don't know why I loved blowouts as much as I did then now, but you know, it was definitely, it's definitely been like a kind of a lifelong process. It sounds um, like it. For me. Is that unusual for people in the industry to love the blow dry part I think part it's a little it? unusual. Yeah. Or, and I thought it was unusual. And that was a huge question mark when we were starting Dry Bar. And I had, you know, I ended up getting married. I had two kids. I was a stay-at-home mom for five years. And during that time, I after being home for five years, I was like, this is great, but I'm a little yeah. bit bored yeah. and I feel like I yeah. need to do something for myself. And so I started the mobile business. And that was when I realized like there was a place like Dry Bar that was missing in the market. And why doesn't this exist for a good you know, a reasonable price in a beautiful space. And that's when I went to my brother. And But what was interesting about that time is I, when I started looking for stylists, I was very, very like concerned that there wasn't going to be enough stylists out there that would just want to do the blow dry. Because I think why blowouts went away his, you know, historically, because when you think about like our grandmothers and grandmothers, oh, yeah. grandmothers generation, they would go to the hair salons and get their hair coiffed yeah, and they wouldn't touch you're it. Right, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah, and that behavior went away, and and I believe it went went mostly away because you know stylists evolved and they wanted to do cut and color where like the real money was, and a blowout was always less money, although variable pricing and weird, but you know it was you know for a stylist who could make one hundred and fifty dollars in an hour versus fifty dollars in an mm-hmm. hour, like they're going to do that and they're going to want to do that, and so like they, it just went away and hair salons really weren't like doing blowouts as like a regular part of their business. Nobody really wanted to do them. So yes, to answer your question, I was concerned that stylists wouldn't be into it. However, they were. And obviously we have 4,000 of them now. So yeah. that proves that. Do you really? You have yeah. 4,000 4,000 employees. Yeah. Well, stylists. Yeah. Give wow. or take. It might even be more. I'm looking at you like... You don't I don't work, know anymore. You don't work at the driver anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really like out on an island over here. Um but yeah, no, it was it was it was really an interesting process, and I used to have the stylist like come to my house before we op- like physically had a dry bar location and blow out my hair as their interview process, and I would talk to them for a little while. If they were nice and seemed normal, not crazy, we would hire them. You know, if they not did, crazy. if they did a good blow, yeah. well, because you you know it was like that was you know now it's like you know Brittany can talk about this later. Like Brittany <laughs> is so evolved from like where we started and how you know it, it's kind of like the um what do we call it the interview. The b- cultural, the interview. cultural interview that you see, like she even has a name for it. Um, <laughs> but you know, my cultural interview was like sitting down and talking to these people and getting a sense for them and seeing if they were like nice and you know, and, and then if they could do a blowout, like I hired them and that was the process, you know, and we hired, you know, like 20 stylists for that first Brentwood location. And we're so in over our heads and we were so busy that first day and week and month and did not have enough stylists. I mean, I was doing blowouts the first chair and managing and running the front desk and trying to like do everything because we just, you know, underestimated the demand. But I have a million questions how it, just about I, that. There's so much, there's so much to the story and there, you know, it's such a great, uh, you know, it's such yeah, a, it it's is a great like, story. Light, talk about like lightning in a bottle. It's like such an entrepreneurial dream. I didn't go to college. Like it's yeah. has all the makings of not being a good business. <laughs> there was no business plan. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. I mean, it was but like, don't you think there was freedom in that? Cause yeah. sometimes I think that you can be a little bit restricted by the, what you're supposed to do. Oh, I'm a huge believer right? in like, you know, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Pretty's like, mm, yeah. that's where the that's where I come What's in. going on? <laughs> well, actually, that's not necessarily true. I do think um, that there is a lo- there's a lot of power in 
choosing not to do things just because they've always been done a certain way. And I think actually that's how new ideas or innovation or um, you know, just things that like propel us forward is is yeah. by thinking about it just a little differently. So I actually very much sub- subscribe to that also. And I will tell you that now being in the position of being responsible for all of the things, I can see how even, even though I have obviously a, a background in marketing and some experience there, it's it's just very different when you're running your own, when you're running your own company and when you're having to do all the things and you do realize like, oh, I don't, I don't actually know as much about that as I thought I did. So I'm <laughs> going to try little, it this way. So many things you don't know. And there's way more that you don't know than you do know yeah. when yeah. you're starting a business. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I knew hair and I knew how to run hair salons, but to, to Brittany's point, I had worked in so many hair salons in my life and I, that actually was something I really knew, but I didn't want it to be like a regular hair salon. There was things that I loved. I loved the camaraderie between stylists. It, stylists are like the most fun people in the world. So I was, you know, I, and I knew that world, but I didn't, I didn't historically like the way salons treated stylists. I didn't like the kind of cutthroat mentality, eat what you kill. And, and I just, I wanted dry bar and, and th- that was such a whim, you know, and that was such a risk that, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to have dry bar clients be dry bar clients, not you know Allie's client or Brittany's client, which is historically how it's always been. You book with that stylist. When that stylist leaves, you follow that stylist. Like I was like, no, that's not how we're going to do it. We, I want to train the stylist. I want the stylist to all be great. Of course, clients like different people, but there's probably like four or five stylists that they love, and they'll be fine with whoever. And and that and that actually worked for us, which was a huge risk. And and it was definitely like a little jarring to our stylist at first because they they're so used to like, no, this is my client. It's like, not really. It's, it's a dry bar client. She's coming in three days a week and, you know, she likes seeing you, but she also likes seeing, you know, Sally. And so that, that was the, that was the hope of the business model that that would, that clients would be okay with that, which, you know, some were and some weren't, but for the most part they were, which I think is why the model works so well. And it sounds like you're training them. So you're training them to have both a blow dry only experience. Mm -hmm. And then you're also training the people that are working with you to have this mentality that it's not a that's my client it's a dry right. bar client we're a team we're and therein so, lies the toughest part of the business yeah <laughs> I mean it's it's you know we we're training an industry and I don't think I really realized that until a couple of years ago because I mean you know today we have four thousand stylists but if I don't I don't even know how many numbers like if you think about from when we first started and how many stylists have come through dry bar and learned you know, the way we do things and, and gotten their sea legs, frankly. And, and, and I, I have no ill will. I'm incredibly proud of that. Like, I feel like we have given stylists this kind of this extra training and this mm-hmm. leg up. They will be able to style hair, which you are not historically. I keep using the word historically. Yeah, it's good though. I don't know <laughs> why. I got to stop. It's like, it's like three times enough. Um, <laughs> but the stylists, you know, aren't trained to do blowouts and styling in beauty school. Beauty schools are kind of antiquated except for like the um, you know, maybe Tony and Guy and, and Paul Mitchell, which are slowly taking over anyways. But they're just, they just come out of school not really trained in that area. So we are training them in that area. And then they leave eventually, which of course is like, you know, the natural progression. But it's really an interesting thing that we've, you know, that we've had to, we've had to really up our training to get, you know, the quality where we need it to be. Well, and one of the things that's interesting to me as an outsider, and I think, Brittany, this is probably one of the things you had to kind of manage or deal with. When you think of marketing, you think of the communications aspect. You think of the branding aspect. You think of what it what it takes to reach outside and draw consumers and people in. But in your case, the actual stylists are part of the brand. Like, 
the way they treat the customer, the way they blow dry the hair. Like, yeah. I have really, really curly hair. And I will often, it's like I can almost tell when they start. Oh, 100%. Oh, you know what? I'm all set. Just yeah. throw some product in. I'll yeah. come home. It's so true. And I tell stylists that. I'm like, you need to be like, you need to have control. If you show any weakness, they will feel it. <laughs> they can smell And they it. will not like it. They can, they can smell fear. We can smell yeah. fear. I'm the same way. I'm like, and I, I remember I used to say in trainings, like, you should manhandle the clients. And all our people were like, don't <laughs> no, no, say no, no, that. No. I'm like, well, it's like they want to feel yeah. like you. You get, you, you know. You want to feel like it's, yeah. it's But it is an interesting point you bring up too because it, the stylists are a massive part of our brand. And I always I always have said that like our branding and marketing really has, has always gotten people in the door. And I think yeah. that's true of Squeeze mm-hmm. too. And then, it's, and then it becomes an inside job where we yeah. have to like, then we have to, the stylists have to be really nice and friendly. Yeah. Customer service has to be amazing. The blowouts have to be amazing. You know, it's like we, that stuff gets them, gets them in the door and then it's, you know, making sure we keep them. Yeah. I think the other thing though that Drybar did so well in the beginning, and this was before my time, but it was something that I personally lived and breathed. And I think everyone who has worked for Drybar feels this way is there there was this culture that was created around the values of the brand and they at Drybar are called the heart and soul of Drybar and there's 10 of them and it's just you know this philosophy or perspective on on how you live and how you treat others and you know what what you think about life etc and I think that it's unifying in a way to a group of people who come from different backgrounds and maybe have different experiences to to come together and feel like you're a part of something bigger. Yeah. And that really is the power of the brand internally. And we definitely took that um, foundational knowledge and applied that to Squeeze also. And it is, it's magical to see how impactful something like that can be in a person's life. I mean, we all spend the majority of our time at work. And so it's like you want to enjoy where the environment that you're in, you want to enjoy the people that you're with, and then you want to feel like you are, you're together, um, you know, building something that feels meaningful. And Driver did such a beautiful job of that. And I, and I think that we're, we're doing the same at Squeeze, Well, too. It's, it's interesting with Squeeze because all, we <laughs> – I mean, it's we're ten years in with Drybar, but with Squeeze, we had just had such a leg up on <laughs> on what worked and what didn't work at Drybar. Yeah. It's been really, I mean, Brit- like Brittany said, I mean, Brittany's doing all the things and running the show, and you know, Michael and I d- really didn't have the bandwidth, and I didn't really want to start over. From yeah, which I am dying to hear that part of. I was the like, story. I'm not, I can't do it again. You know, I mean, yeah. not to the, not to the extent of which I, you know, I did it. With Drybar, I mean, it's, ten, it's it's been ten long, <laughs> yeah. amazing years. But you know, it, and it and it's been really gratifying for me to you know to kind of watch Brittany, um, y- you know, bloom. Is that the right word? Sure, why not? Um, you know, you're like yes. I, and, but it's been really, it's been it's such a gratifying experience to see. You know, we we knew Michael and I were like, you know, Brittany would be so perfect to run this when. And I'll let her tell you the story of how that came to be. But, um, you know, to to let somebody else kind of take the reins and the fact that she knew Michael and I so personally and how we liked things but was able to integrate, you know, her own personal style and all the learnings that we learned, all the things that we learned from Driver and all the mistakes that we made and all, the, you know, I mean, I'm sure we're, you know, we're still making a few mistakes at Squeeze. I, mean, I like to remind many. everyone, we will, we will make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah I mean, it's, it's, in, it's impossible to not. Um, 
but but we made a lot more drive hard than we'll probably make it squeeze. So hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. I, and I actually want to get into that. So first of all, for those of you who don't know, I, you mentioned it a minute ago, Ali, but Michael is your brother. Yes, and you. So it, really quickly, there's um, you can listen to the whole drive hard story. Um, let's see who does a good job. You know who does a good job is Guy Raz. Yeah, does, how I built yeah. this. He does a great job of telling, uh, and you do since you're the one telling it, but. Listen to that. We'll give him a little plug. But yeah. I really want to um, kind of understand. So you start it. You bring in your brother. You guys run this. You bring in and build a team around the two of you and the vision yeah, for Drive Yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I cannot mention that. We can't not mention my now ex-husband, Cameron, yeah. who did, you know, really is responsible for all the branding. And he's just he's just a brilliant, creative yeah. soul. And he's also done all the branding for Squeeze, him and his team, and they're amazing. So it was really the three of us in the beginning, in the trenches, building this. When our, you know, our kids were so young when we started Drybar, they were three and five, and wow. they're like 11 and 14, and wow. going on like 25. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's times. my 16-year-old in the back. Turned oh, 16 last week, so yeah. yeah. You like look so sweet, and you're a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I got stories. My I kids. Got stories. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, so you, you have, no, but you have this business, you guys have had this success, you bring in Brittany, she's doing remarkable things on the marketing end. What possesses one to say, I don't know, we're kind of killing it over here. Let's start something else. And I, and I have to say, as I was kind of preparing the questions for you guys, I was thinking the, so much of my advice in working with clients is what do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. Just go for it. When you have achieved a certain amount of success, what you have to lose feels, not just from an ego point of view, but like, I got to show up for this because people are associating me with this next thing. That's funny. I never really thought about that. Well, I'm sorry. I brought it up. No, no. (laughs) I mean, I I I don't know if it's my ignorance situation again, (laughs) kicking in, but I didn't, I, I, I always felt like I like what you said resonated with me because I always said to people, if dry bar did when we started, if dry bar doesn't work, nobody's gonna die. Yeah. We're gonna all lose a little bit of money, mostly my brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was, you know. And then but but my, you know, but like truly like what you have to do. And I was like, we're all smart people. And if we don't, yeah. if this isn't we'll working, figure it out. we'll get jobs, like we'll bounce back, we'll figure it out. But it is interesting to think about, like, I'm sure, I don't know if you felt that oh, way. That there I was, totally did. I, I mean, did. I really did. Yeah. I was you like, did. We're, and then we're gonna yeah. kill it. Well, I, I, <laughs> well, Brittany's gonna I, kill it. I felt that way too. I felt very confident, but there, there is a lot riding on a second act, and just, mm-hmm. and I mean, the fact alone. Shit, that, now I feel nervous. <laughs> Thanks. Don't worry. Don't Aren't worry. Are you supposed to help entrepreneurs? <laughs> so far, so good. Just, I'm just bringing the truth. Just so far, truth. so good. No, because you're gonna scaffold around that, whatever yeah. that fear is, and Brittany's about to tell us. No, 100. I mean, I think. Well, for for me, it was really your name, right? I mean, it's nobody knows Brittany Driscoll. <laughs> Again, I'm not sleeping <laughs> true, tonight. But it's true. And I think that, but there's so much, I mean, you can use fear to debilitate you or you can mm-hmm. use it to yeah. catapult you forward. Sure. And I've always been the person who constantly was challenging myself, constantly seeking the next thing that was going to scare me, but you know, grow me at the same time. And that's really, I mean, when I look back on my career, that truly is like, I can think of very pivotal moments throughout it where I could have stayed and things were going well. And like, there really wasn't a reason 
to not. But then there was this other, you know, kind of like fire in my belly going, yeah, but there's more. And I think that that's where I got to at Drybar. Drybar has a huge long trajectory ahead of itself, no doubt. I spent four years there. I built an incredible team. I feel like, you know, I, I got to be a part of so many amazing milestones for the brand and the business. And I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. And quite honestly, we didn't even have the conversation until I got to a point and I was like, you know, I think I think I'm ready to move on. I don't really know what I want to do, but I'm itching for a new challenge and a place where I can take a lot of the learnings that I had here and apply it somewhere else and just continue to grow you personally. You could have that candid of a conversation. Yeah, which, you know, that brings wow. me, that, that reminds me cool. of an important point, especially because this is like an entrepreneurial show. Yeah. And I... I, I cannot stress from, pe- from people who are here and but people who are listening to this, like the fact that, and Brittany will get into this story more, but the fact that like Brittany and, and did have a, a candid conversation first with Michael and then with me about, you know, the fact that she was leaving, she had had a bunch of other great offers, you know, then we, we, we started talking to her about the squeeze opportunity. But like, if you have a good relationship, here's the lesson, if you have a good relationship with your boss and you want to leave and you need a new opportunity, like you should have a conversation mm-hmm. with them. If, if you have a good boss, someone that you've worked for yeah. for a long time, like you shouldn't be scared to say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Because it, like Brittany had, didn't, didn't really know that we were going to be like, hey, you know, by the way, right. we want you to be the CEO <laughs> of this other business. Like she did not expect that. But the fact that like the relationship was intact and so good that the, like we were like, hey, here's another opportunity. And it's just a really good learning. Don't leave jobs on bad terms. Yeah. Don't don't not talk to people. You know, it's 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 a really important thing that I think Brittany, yeah. you know, had, you know, we didn't have a good relationship and she just left, that this whole thing wouldn't be happening. You well, know? there's something too about you as an entrepreneur and Michael as an entrepreneur seeing somebody else rise up as an entrepreneur within the organization. Like, I don't hear that story hmm. very much. I think there, I think there's... Um, something kind of profound about the way you must have managed and allowed for that. And then the freedom you had to say, I'm going to step into whatever's next for me. And it may be that I'm exiting here, but I, I need to have this conversation. I mean, that's not a story we hear. Do you guys know? I don't know. But I story. do, but I do think that it is, it is a story that can be told it more. Should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for everyone who is hardworking and passionate about what they do. I think it is a lot about how you manage relationships and understanding people and also what's important to you and staying true to who you are. Um, But, you know, I mean, there is always opportunity. It's just a a matter of being patient for it, I suppose. And yeah, I mean, I had no idea this was coming. So basically, I, I, I did, I was speaking to a few other companies, but again, I hadn't really made a decision and wanted to be respectful about the way that I went out. Like it wasn't going to be a giving them two weeks type of thing. And so what that allowed, and I know that like not everyone is in that position to do that. And I, f- I fully recognize and understand that. But what it did allow for was these these conversations to take place. And, um, and the way that it happened was Michael was very kind and he kind of said, well, is there anything that you want to do? And I was like, well, no, I don't. I mean, I know that I want to go find basically like the next dry bar. You know, I wanted to go in again at that like ground floor. I'm a, I'm a builder, like the kind of the 
chaos and the unknown really excite me. And so I wanted to get back into that building space. I was like, but I don't really, you know, personally have anything that I know that I want to do. And and he was like, well, remember, remember that massage idea that we've always had? And I can attest that they have had it for years. I mean, wow. they used to talk about it way back in the day at Drybar. We were all obviously very busy <laughs> building Drybar. We're like, what if we had a massage concept onto Drybar? And everybody's like, yeah, we're so fucking busy now. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was and like you wanted no. it to be a part well, of dry bar. Not a part. Or? Not, not like no. Okay, no nobody gets crazy. Brands. But there's always there was not going to be a massage in dry bar. But it was yeah. just like a thing that we felt like would be like a nice like sister kind of brand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dry bar. But we just you know we we were we were so busy. We had so much going on. Like there was it was like yeah that's a cute idea. Yeah. But how, there's no way that's going to like work under the dry bar umbrella. So well, it, and it just got to, shelved for a while. To me, that's part of what the single service sort of magic of dry bar is. And so I assumed that squeeze was how do we replicate this model in another industry? Was no, that so not? no. I mean, Michael yeah. had really always had this idea for years. He he well, both Michael and Ali and myself, I mean, we all love massage, but he had personally experienced Another, and we won't name the brand. Uh, yeah, a lot of frustration around his regular massage routine. And so he had had this idea for a long time. And again, just didn't really have the bandwidth to get it off the ground. So it, it like Drybar, came out of personal necessity and like the, you know, recognizing that there was opportunity in the space. I mean, like Ali always talks about, and we can, we can say it with Squeeze now too, you know, we didn't invent blowouts. We didn't invent massage. We just created a much better way to experience them. And I think that like Uber did with transportation, like Netflix did with content, like Amazon did with retail, there's, there is that opportunity that exists everywhere. You just have to be willing to see it and then also be willing to take the chance and sure. try it. And, you know, and it's been such an interesting, it's such an interesting conversation when I, when I tell people about Squeeze and the new concept, they're like, well, what's different about Squeeze? And I'm like, oh, well, what isn't different about Squeeze? But, but that's a, such a fair question because it's like, what could be different about massage? Yeah. Like you go to a place, you go in a room, you get a massage and like you leave. But like, you know, if and when you ever experience squeeze, which we hope of you'll course, come in, of um, you know, it's it's the same architect that built Drybar. It's the same founding team of Drybar in terms of creative and design. And, you know, like Brittany touched on, everything is like app driven. You pay through the app, you tip through the app. And like the rooms are so thoughtfully designed for like every whim you could imagine, like, one of my very favorite things is, like, there's a little button underneath the table. So once you're naked and in the bed, you push the button and the light comes on outside so your therapist knows you're ready oh, versus nice. the, like, jumping under the covers, like, yeah. hoping nobody comes in yeah. Yeah. situation. Um, and that's just one of the, like... Such an easy fix. Such a, it is. Knows and I think you. that's what, you know, because we spent so many years noodling on this and, and, and all being such, like, avid massage goers, we're like, well, what's wrong with what's available? Mm -hmm. And if, there's a pretty long list. And mm -hmm. that that's really what we have solved for at squeeze and and again to Brittany's point and you know you know there there's all, there's a million places you can go for for blowouts but we do it very special in a very unique way at dry bar and it's the same now with squeeze it's you know it's 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 a very like thoughtful approach to massage and Brittany mentioned you had 10 I forgot the term you used 10 sort of core values at dry bar oh at so dry yeah bar. so dry bar have a similar thing at squeeze we yeah. do and actually that probably was the thing that got me the most excited and I will say is the most fulfilling today about the idea of starting a company. I mean, 
the squeeze story is a little different than dry bar because none of us are therapists, you know, mm-hmm. so we, we don't come with the expertise right. that Allie had in 20 years of doing hair. So we definitely were more consumer driven. But what has been so incredible to see, again, just going back to the people side of the business is the way that, so our core values, we call the feels and we call them the feels because we, we have branded Squeeze a feel-good company. I mean, ultimately, massage makes us all feel good. But I think at the end of the day, the idea of creating a company that stands for something bigger than just what you deliver on a day-to-day basis was was really exciting to me. And so in any case, you know, our, our core values are called the feels. There's five of them. But one of the aspects of the business that we ha- we built in from the beginning was we actually partner with a philanthropy called Canine Companions mm-hmm. for Independence. And they're an amazing organization that provides assistance dogs free of charge to adults, children, and veterans with disabilities. And so for every membership that we sell at Squeeze, we're helping to provide a day of canine support um, to a person with a disability. So there's a lot of those little things that we've tried to incorporate into both the consumer experience and the the internal culture to change people's lives for the better. Um, and that's been that's been incredibly impactful already. And I think it's gone a long way too with you know the the um, I always want to call them stylists, the therapists yeah. at Squeeze. You know, it's like Brittany touched on that. You know, creating this environment that you know, therapists like to work in, but also like they're part of something, well, something at at its like inception stage and that, you know, we're doing so much good and, you know, there's just a lot to, there's a lot to love there. And I even noticed, um, stalking the squeeze Instagram, um, (laughs) that you guys had like a day where the whole team was doing yoga outside or something. And you were saying we do this once a month or. So we do monthly what we call squeeze sessions, which is basically a two hour timeframe where we bring the entire team together, um, to, to grow basically. And so sometimes it's focused on specific training protocols or things that we need to get right for the shop experience. And then other times, like this past month, it was more for a personal experience. And so, yes, we had um, someone come out. We did yoga. We did breath work. We did journaling. There was, like, reflection on the importance of self-care. And that doesn't exist in the retail space. I mean, I you know, at least not, in, I don't think, in, like, very small companies where it's, like, every, you know, every hour that the shop is open is very important. But, but we deliberately wanted, again, to create, like, a very different way for people to um, to feel about the place that they worked. And to also get to know and really appreciate each other. I mean, massage is a very individual business, obviously. Um, and so creating a way for people to get to know each other and kind of like, you know, high five and whatnot was, was really important too. And there's a lot that we've actually done too on the back end. Um, of just the day-to-day operations that enables that as well, just communication between the team um, in a positive way that that I think is really impactful. Did you feel like because you came into Dry Bar when there were already some stores and maybe already some of the chaos that you guys were like, okay, here's what we're not going to do for Squeeze and here's what we definitely need to repeat. Like these are the things that we want to make sure happen in terms of the staff in particular, because that is such a, an unwieldy piece of any business. Well, I think Brittany's done a much better job at, and you know, we, we had our orientation day and Brittany had like slides and everything was so organized and perfect. <laughs> I was like, well, shit, that's not how we did it at Drive Bar. <laughs> um, but you know, I didn't, I had no experience and sure. you know, 
to my credit, you know, we, Brittany, yes. uh, we, we did, we did, we did a lot of things and I would have like, you know, a new stylist orientation where I would tell them the whole story and we'd, you know, bring in dinner and we'd, and we started, you know, and we always from the get go, like always like made sure there was like snacks and food. And like when it was a really hot day, I'd bring Pinkberry in. I mean, this was also when there was like three stores and <laughs> I could run between all three of them. It got, it, it gets very hard to do that. Sure. Smaller stuff, especially as a founder, once the company starts to grow and sure. then you kind of are, you know, depending on managers and district managers and everything starts to kind of change and it's important to keep it all intact. But, you know, we had, it was, it was just a little, you know, unorganized and a little more chaotic. But you have to give but yourself was, credit. Like no one, like, no one remembers that. Like yeah. every, you know, what everyone remembers, like the passion and the excitement around yeah. and around the idea that there was something new being created. And, and I think, yeah, exactly. To be a part, to feel like you're a part of something like that is just yeah. as powerful. And when we would open a dry bar, you know, you're looking at like 40 to 60 employees and we would gather them all together and I would tell my story and then we'd go Her over. dry bar? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you do the math on 120 sites, I'm not doing the math yeah, me either. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it was like, you know, like it was this very exciting you know, moment where they were opening a dry bar and were like, listen, this is what's coming. Like you may have worked at a, a semi-busy salon and you're you're doing a client every like hour or two, like, you know, or every couple hours, like you are going to be busy and, you know, preparing them for that. And yeah, they are a part of something. And it was, it was very, and it still is very magical. And I don't, I don't get to do it as much because I just can't travel that much anymore. I opened the first 50 stores and, you know, I was just at our opening in Nashville because Nashville is very near and dear to my heart. And I did do a new shop orientation. It was fun to do it. And, um, you know, it, it, there is still that magic. Um, but, you know, Brittany's kind of taking it to the next level with Squeeze where, you know, and Squeeze just by virtue of what it is, it's a massage, like it's quiet and peaceful. And like, yeah. even when I walk in Squeeze, I'm like, why is it so quiet? Where is everybody? What's going on? You know, it's because in Dry Bar, if I walk in and it's quiet, I, I'm like annoyed and stressed out. I'm like, where is everybody? Where yeah. is the sound of the dryers? Why aren't people talking? You know, <laughs> it's supposed to be loud and chaotic in Dry Bar. Yeah. When you walk in Squeeze, it's like, it's like I'm, there's, you can hear a pin drop and I'm like, What's happening? And so that's, you know, the whole mentality of Squeeze is is the polar opposite of Dry Bar. I mean, it's a very quiet, peaceful place and there's a Zen quality to it. And there's not really Zen at Dry Bar. <laughs> it's like the opposite of Zen. Is that yeah. is that something that has been hard for you to like, okay, how do we break away from what is the Dry Bar way and create our own? No, I mean, yes and no. I don't think so. There's so, I mean, you were talking about is, was there things that we, you know, really wanted to yeah. shy away from? It really wasn't that, you know, it was building on what was really impactful for people. And then also thinking about how we could create a unique brand and experience within this space, which is obviously very different. So I, you know, I definitely think it was more about recognizing where the magic was, where the lightning in the bottle existed with Dry Bar and apply it to squeeze. And I think for the most part, you know, we've really, we really delivered against that. And it is because we use the same architect who really, you know, his name is Josh Heitler and he creates he just truly understands Magical. the littlest details about an in-shop experience and is just incredibly thoughtful about the design. And then, of course, Cam with the branding and marketing. And, you know, Michael and Ali, one of the things that I learned, and I realize this more and more how, like, ingrained it is in me now, but their focus and 
and obsession with customer service and just, and it comes, it's like in their blood because their parents owned their own retail locations while they were growing up. So they just saw it all the time. You know, that really has become, that's like in me now too. And so I think that Sorry. You know, no, it's, it's, um, no, I'm so glad because, you know, I'm that, always complaining that's about also, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's also part of the magic is really caring about yeah, each person's, people. yeah, experience and like making sure that they're 100% happy all the time. One, because it's important to your business, but two, because, and, and I tell everyone who works for us this, and I, it's really impactful when you think about it this way. This is probably the one hour of their day that they are looking forward to the most. Yeah. It's like the one minute that they have to themselves where they're not on their phone or they don't have a kid screaming or, you know. And so it's like when you think about the responsibility that you have to make sure that you can deliver against that on a regular basis, it's, you know, it's a it's a big responsibility and it's an, it's an important job to make sure you're taking very seriously. And just that mentality. And that's, that's always how we felt about dry bar too. I mean, like, you know, we used to say to our teams before we open a shop, like there's a woman sitting at her desk at 11 o'clock, knowing she's got an appointment at dry bar at five o'clock and she's looking forward to that all day. So it's our job to make sure that that's the best it can be for her. But I don't think in my experience, I don't believe most businesses think that way. Mm -hmm. And you walk in and they're just like, which is, which is why we're so obsessed about customer service because you know, there's nothing that gets under my skin more when I walk in a place and they're like, barely acknowledge you, aren't very nice to you, don't smile at you. I'm like, I'm giving you my money, yeah. my very hard earned money. Yeah. Like, be nice to me. Even if you're faking it, just be nice. Like, it's just so much easier to be nice. And, and you know, that, and that is, that is something that I, I witnessed my parents do. And it wasn't always easy. And sometimes like they were in a bad mood and they had shit going on, sure. but like they always, you know, bent over backwards for the customer. The customers are always right. And I grew up in that mentality. And I remember talking to my mom about that, being like, mom, that lady was such a bitch to you. Why were you so nice to her? And and having those life lessons be like, you know, this is, this is our business and this is what, you know, puts food on our table. And, you know, and it's like, you know, you may not always agree with her, but she's, she's, you know, she's a patron and she's spending money with us and we just have to make her feel good. And sometimes we don't agree, but, you know, the ultimate goal is like to make sure she's happy. And, and that, that I didn't know I was getting that education, by the way, and but that just really stuck with me. And I think that, and Brittany would probably agree with this too. I think that 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 whole like learning without knowing you're learning mm -hmm. is like something that you you know you get at all of your jobs. You know, yeah. I worked in PR for a little while, and I worked for a guy you know who was like a, a publicist in in the music industry, and I, he used to make me write press releases and I was not a writer and I didn't know how to write them and I didn't know how to send professional emails, but he taught me all that stuff. And part of that was something I needed to run a business and have like yeah. professionalism. You know, it's like you, you know, if you pay attention in your life, you get a lot of lessons that you need along the way. I think that's absolutely, absolutely true. In fact, there are listeners and there are people <laughs> here who are sort of thinking about what is my second act? What is the thing that I'm leaving behind? And what is the thing that I'm going toward? And I think as we listen to you guys, even though it's not an individual, it's a, from one company to another company and the individuals that created it, what are the things that you would want to say if that woman was asking you right now, like, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. I'm fearful. I'm not sure that I've learned the lessons. I'm not sure what I should be relying on. Like, what's the one thing that you would say, just, just lean into this. What is the this? God, it's a big question. I, I know mean, it, it is. It kind of depends on 
you know, what it is that you, that you want to do. I mean, I, I know it sounds like you've heard it a million times in cliche, but like, you, you know, you do want to follow your passion. Yeah. And again, such another cliche, but it's true and it's a cliche for but a reason. But actually, you know what, back that up. Why? Because I think there's a really good reason About why the passion. That's yeah. Because, you know, you'll never work as hard on yeah. something that you don't love. And if you love it, which was going to be my next cliche, yeah. <laughs> you will work harder and it won't feel like work. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, can, I can honestly sit here and say that the last 10 years have been so incredibly rewarding. And yes, there are days that I've hated and days that have sucked, but it had never really felt like work. It was mm. always so fun because mm. I loved what we were doing. I love what we're doing. And, and it's the same thing with Squeeze, but, you know, I'm on a d deeper level with Drybar because I, we, I literally built that from like nothing to something. And, you know, there's, there's just no chance on, in no universe could I have spent the amount of hours, sacrificed so much time with my family, my kids, because there was such a deep love and passion for what we were doing that, that, you know, that I, I couldn't have done that if I didn't have that passion. So finding your passion and the thing that you love is incredibly important. And it doesn't mean you have to start your own business. It, you know, it could be like a job, just getting something and doing something that you really love because it really doesn't feel like work when you get to do something you love. I mean, I meet all sorts of people who are like, you know, working for big companies and they're like producers or they're whatever it is that they're doing, but they're doing what they love. Yeah. And so they're working really hard. And those are the people that are getting more promotions and raises and maybe eventually starting their own company. Because, you know, coming from a place of like, this is the only thing in the world I want to be doing. It's like, that's the holy grail, you know? Yeah. And so go ahead and do, go ahead and pivot, go ahead and go for whatever's next. And, and there, if you, you know, can... and of course, like you'll fall and it won't always work. And, you know, and you just kind of keep, you keep trying. I mean, I, when I think back to like some of the things that I failed at and some of like the jobs I didn't get that I wish that I had gotten, obviously now I know it's all meant to be, but it all, it all is meant to be. And I, one of the quotes that I love that always sticks with me is trust the timing of your life, that things will work out when they're supposed to work out, despite the fact that you can't see it. Mm -hmm. And I've lived that, I feel like, a lot of times. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's really true, but you have to kind of keep, keep picking yourself back up and keep feeling like, okay, well, let me try this. I, I tried this. It didn't work. And now I'm going to try this until I find the thing, you know, that makes me happy and want to get out of bed in the morning. Did you guys, when you were going through whatever the, oh, that's not quite working at Drybar, were you able to pivot quickly within that? So you're like, okay, we're doing this. Yeah. The, ultimately, we're going to, we're offering blow dries. But the yeah. way we do it and the yeah. kind of how we navigate that. Yeah. I mean, there were so many unknowns when we started and, and so much has changed and 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 evolved since since well, since day one. And, you know, even like a story I tell a lot is how, you know, we had phones in the shop next to the, you know, checkout, but very quickly realized we really couldn't answer the phone because it was too loud and too crazy. And, and got back to customer service. So a client was standing in front of me and trying to pay for her blowout. And I was looking at her. I did not want to answer the phone and be like, I'm sorry, I'm going to take this yeah. call right now. Like that's the worst customer service experience. It's so annoying when yeah. someone does that. So I was like, well, shit, we can't answer the phones. Like, Oh no, what How do we do? Yeah. <laughs> we do? You know, so we put the phones like in the back office and that we were trying to manage that. And I, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday calling my brother on like the third day of driver opening. I'm like, Mike, I, I, I'm telling everybody to let the calls go to voicemail and we're calling people back, which also sucked. But I was like, I don't know what our option is. It, it was so loud in the shops that even the experience on the phone was bad because they're like, what? Because of the dryers. Yeah. And it was just like a disaster. We were like, 
nobody thought about the phones. And then we found ourselves kind of in the call center business and we had to take the phones out of the shops. And we, you know, we had, we had a couple girls that like answering the phones from their house. And then we, it's just like, there's a whole call center business in dry bar now. It's like, I think it's like a hundred people are on the phones. Like it's, you know, because we had to, we had to figure that problem out. And that was a really big one because we want people on, on the phone to have a good experience. And we want people in the shop to have a good experience. And yeah, but again, it was in that situation, both, everything, both of those scenarios driven by the common goal of good customer uh, yeah. service, excellent customer Which, service. Which, by the way, you, you know, the old adage of like, you can't please all the people all the time because some people get real mad that we don't have a phone in the shop. I'm like, I get it. It's a little annoying, but the alternative is far worse, you know? So right. it's just been one of those things that we had to pick the, the, the less of two evils, right. you know? Brittany, what would you say, especially since you're the one that kind of really did the big pivot and said, okay, yeah. I'm going to leave this and go to this. What would you say to that person who's like, how did you do it? I don't think I can do it. Well, I think I would say that no one is quite ready. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> and everyone is figuring it out as they go along. I think that is one of the things that I actually realized early on in my career, which is why I followed the the gut feeling in me to just keep pushing myself because there were people that I really admired whose like job I thought was awesome or they were just the smartest in the room, they had the best swagger, like whatever it was, they were they were like what I wanted to be. And as I got to know them more because I pursued them personally, um I realized that they were they didn't have all the answers. They were they were just you know, working harder than everyone else. They had the confidence that they'd be able to figure it out and they did. And so I think that I, I think in seeing that and then also in recognizing that in myself, like I would, you know, I would take like little challenges on and then flash forward to today, starting a business, which I very fortunately have amazing, you know, partners um, available to me. But, but even so, you know, in the day to day, it's like, you just start to realize like, oh, I can't, I can do this. I can figure it out. Like it's not, it's not rocket science. I mean, I'm not sure I'd recommend that if you're like wanting to go into brain surgery, but like, (laughs) you know, if it's something that doesn't require a solid education or, you know, yeah, I mean, it is like, there is like, you know, as my parents would call it, hoopspah, yeah, you know, where you just like kind of have to have the balls to do it and know that like, you're not going to know everything. And, And you're right. It is, I, so many of like the entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs that I talk to, they're always like, there are a million like, well, I don't know this and I don't know that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, there's going to always be, there's going to, like I said before, there's much more you're going to not know that you're going to have to figure out on the spot. And and it is, it is a level level of confidence that you have to have because you are the boss and then people are inevitably coming to you with questions and you're like, I don't know. know. Like <laughs> it feels a little bit yeah, like it's as good as mine. Out, you know? it, it feels like, like raising kids. It it's is like, exactly like raising I don't kids. Totally know the answer. Well, we're doing I'm our best to keep you alive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, kind of. It is so much like that. Well, I can't speak to that. But the other thing that I was going to say is, um, you know, the, the other thing is that you just have to think about twenty years from now when you look back. Will you have been happy with the choice that you made, whether it's to stay where you are or pursue the next thing? You know, you really have to think about that. I mean, we only get one shot and every day does count and it's all short. And, you know, you just want to make sure that you you're taking every opportunity and doing it the way that you want to do it, not not the way someone else wants to. Or, you know, it's like it's, I just think it's so important to be 
happy with the decision that you make yeah. and to recognize that it has big impacts for you down the road. So It's so interesting to me how much of entrepreneurship takes kind of like life work. Like you, your ego sort of has to be intact and if it's not, it will get there quickly yep. and being pretty clear on who you are and who you aren't and what and there is that level it's of like really, confidence that you yeah, have to have. It's a, this kind of like I can do anything yeah. mentality. And I think that like I I'm, I'm sure Brittany feels this way too. Like I think I got a lot of that from my parents. Yeah. I mean, even when mm -hmm. which I haven't really thought about, but when I was a kid, I tried everything. I, I was sure I was going to be a professional tennis player, like 100% that was going to happen, <laughs> you know? I mean, I did, you know, I was a dancer, you know, I wanted to be like a model for five minutes. Like, I just thought, and my parents were like, okay, sure. Like, if you want to try that, you try. And they never, they never like looked at me like, well, I don't know if you should do that. And all the crazy things I wanted to do. And I think that that probably instilled a lot of confidence in me of like, you can kind of, and they never said that to me. My parents, as great as my parents were, they were not super evolved. Like, you can do anything you want, honey. Like, there was not. Uh, that seems like that's happening now. It happens I don't now, know it but happened. I don't think it, yeah, it happened with our so. parents. It wasn't like, we weren't in that generation yeah. of like, that yeah. we are now where it's like, you know, yeah. woo woo and. Yeah, and I think there was more like. And it just wasn't that time. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, figure yeah. your shit out, you know? Yeah. But but and despite all that, my parents did have this very like, sure, Allie, like, whatever you want to try, go try it. I but mean, then you're also responsible for that. Like, yeah. you yes. got to learn how to do it. You got to figure it and out. there and is something amazing where that about that. came from yep. for both of I you. I mean, I literally thought I was going to be a professional tennis player. Like, I thought Had that you, that now, was a possibility. Were you tennis? Or yeah, was we moved like... to this country club in Boca Raton. It's like, you think you're going to be a country singer, too. I am going to be a country singer. Okay. You here for News. Yeah, this Brit still continues. Brittany's like, it's still going on. I have some really lofty dreams. Okay, I, I always it. have. I and I, we moved to a country club when I was a kid or when I was like in high school. And my my dad was a big golfer. And Jeannie Everett, who's Chris Everett's sister, yeah. was the tennis pro. And I was like, oh. That's yeah, it. This is, it is meant to be. Yeah. And she taught me how to play tennis. I played tennis with Chris Everett. And I thought I was the Are you shit. Kidding? No, I did. I played tennis with Chris Everett. You thought you were the shit. But did Chris Everett think no. you were? Oh, okay. No, because okay. when I did hit with her... It was so terrible. I mean, all my balls, like, went, I was like, what happened to my game? And then I, I trained at Nick Bolletary for years. I was very, very serious about tennis and really thought, like, that was going to be my thing. And then I, as I, my parents were very supportive and they sent me to these expensive tennis camps. And and then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm good enough. And, and so I was like, shit, what now? And, and, you know, and that dream, like, you know, slowly, like, faded away, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it probably was good to I have still a, love, a, I still have a deep love of tennis, though, because I was, I was okay, you know? Well, it was, that, there's probably a dry bar lesson that you've applied that you actually learned from your, your tennis. Yeah, because I'm, I'm certainly, like, dream. I never claim to be the best hairstylist out there either. I think I'm, I'm pretty good at hair, and I can do yeah. a pretty mean blowout, but I'm not, the, the, I, there are stylists that work for us that are far better than me, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole package, I suppose. I think that's actually really, really important and something that a lot of listeners and people here um, need to hear is that it's it's not about being the best at whatever. It's I think a lot of it is understanding what the consuming group needs and how to serve that, yeah. like whatever that is, what it, whether it's the brand, whether it's the experience. Um, you probably know that yeah. more than anybody. But I think that's often what's missing. And there's uh, there's so many brands out there that it's like, that's a great product, 
The brand's not great. Yeah, mm-hmm. brand's not so great. Experience many. isn't great. And I think a lot of companies need to learn, like, it's don't forget the human piece of it because at the end of the day, that's that's what's going to make this thing fly. It's staggering yeah. how many businesses. It didn't know it is. That. Yeah, we're always like, wow. Why? Yeah. It's like um, Seth Godin's quote that says, um, people don't buy service and product, services and products. They buy stories. Uh, they buy relations, stories, and magic. I absolutely And it is that. true. Yeah. It's not the service or the product. It's it's the emotional tug behind it. And that's what you what you you remember what you feel. Mm-hmm. That's another yeah, quote. Yeah, exactly. You know, that somebody really smart yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a feel, you remember a feeling, you know. Yeah. It's like the way you remember a, a song or a smell, you know. It's that same kind of thing and... It's that's actually, powerful. yeah, that's actually the, well, Maya Angelou's quote, people will forget what you said, that's people will forget we, what you did, but people really can smart. never forget yeah. how you made them feel. We like her. That actually was the foundational inspiration behind all of our feels at Squeeze and just really, again, the idea of creating this feel-good culture and company um, is what an, what an amazing opportunity it would be to leave a, po- a positive mark on people's life um, more than anything else. So... We are not at Squeeze right now having an awesome massage as much as we'd love to be. Describe what we would experience if we were there. Describe what you're selling at the end of the day because there are lots of other massage opportunities. So what is it that Squeeze is giving us? Well, the biggest differentiation of our experience in the market is really the ability to have a very personalized and convenient experience at the end of the day. I mean, we've created a beautiful space that will make you feel warm and good and like all the great feelings. But beyond that, I mean, the ability to do everything on an app. So we've basically bridged the seamlessness of the on-demand experience with a beautiful brick-and-mortar space. Mm. So you can book, you set all your personalized preferences on the app, everything from areas of the body you want focused on, if you want oil or lotion, do you want your bed heated, all that information is saved to your profile, so you only have to do it once. You can update it at any time, but again, it's like saved. It's shared with your therapist prior to you even walking in, so they know what you want. It's like you're walking in on a level playing field. There's no awkward in-person exchanges. When you get into the room itself, which we call our room suites, you can set your in-suite settings. So lighting, temperature, and music is all to your liking. That information is also saved to your profile. So the next time you come in, your therapist will preset your suite exactly the way that you want it. And like Ali was mentioning earlier, we also added a ready button to the table. So you as the guest tell the therapist when you're ready for them to come back in. And then, you know, one of the best parts, I think, in all of our opinions is you get to stay in that blissful state of mind. And like Uber and Postmates, you rate and tip on your phone at your leisure and you get to float out. So it's really this very seamless, transactionless, relaxing experience when you're in the location itself so that, um, you know, so that you can actually have a relaxing, stress-free time. Yeah, because there's nothing worse when you're like trying to check out and there's like three people in front of you and they can't find the information and your face is all scrunchy and you're like, I just want to leave. And you can just feel your shoulders. Yeah, it's like it's like kind of takes away the effect. And that was a huge thing for us that we hated about, you know, pretty much anywhere you go. That that's I mean, the fact that you can just you literally walk (laughs) out, you don't it feels like you don't pay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do. Pay. That's, you that's pay. a key key part to business, figuring out how to get your customer to pay. But um, no, I mean, there's other nuances too. Some some things that we took from Drybar, like, so we have a membership, 
uh, we have two membership programs, but we don't upcharge for aromatherapy, deep tissue, heat therapy. All of that is included in the pricing. So again, I feel like that's always an, not a great feeling when you go somewhere and you think you're getting, you know, X experience for X dollars. Yeah, and that was such a big thing yeah. about Drybar when we were starting is like historically, there's the word again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> salons were charging if you had long hair, short hair, if they use hot tools, not hot tools. And like, I, I literally remember walking into salons and them being like, um... For you, it's going to be like 40 and for your friend, it's going to be 60. And we're like, what the fuck? This is so like discriminatory. Like you can't, what? <laughs> you know, like you can't charge people like that, but they did and they got away with it. And I remember having like a very pointed conversation with my brother who has no hair and didn't understand really even what a blowout was, which now he knows way more than any straight guy should know about <laughs> blowouts. But he was like, well, wouldn't we, he, you know, innocently, like, wouldn't we charge a girl who has like super long hair more than a girl who has like a bob? And I don't know if he said bob. He probably said short hair. Um, but I was like, well, yeah, I mean, she's definitely going to take us more time, but I think it'll all come out in the wash. And that was a bit of a risk because it was like, is that really going to work? Like, yeah. you know, a girl who has a bob is going to take us, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. And a girl who has like long hair down to the middle of her back is probably going to take us like the full allotted 45-ish minutes. But I think it'll balance. And, and it did balance. And it did. It is something that people really came to love about dry bar yeah. was that you didn't, you didn't, it, it, now we've, now people know that and they know that's just, it is what it is. But you know, that, that was really annoying when you were checking out after getting a blowout in a lot of places and they were like, oh, it's actually, you know, it says starting at 40, but it's actually 60 because the stylist used a flatter. And I'm like, it took her three minutes. Like, you can't do that. I actually know? didn't know that's what the uh, all the differences were. Like, I was always like, why am well, I paying bar, such... Not at Drybar. Yeah, no, yeah. but I mean, like, when I would go get my hair yeah. cut. And oh, done. they're upcharging like, you. What? Why was it this much last time? And Right. And it's... Yeah. And so it's variable pricing. It's always kind of changing. It's so weird. And I hated it as a consumer. Yeah. And it just felt like it was unfair as a business owner. So we made that decision in the beginning and kind of hoped... For the best that, with yeah. that, and and it and it really turned out okay, and I think that was one of the influences of Squeeze. Like, let's not be like that, like weird upchargey place, you know. Can I Imagine. tell you a few other things about the Would design, you, please? Because <laughs> I want. Well, no, I because was just I thinking about a few other things. Like, I want to, to be there right now. So, okay, so I mean, taking again from the things that worked so nicely at Drybar. If you've ever been to Drybar, which hopefully most of you have, there's this cute mat when you walk in that says nice shoes and it's like a, like oh yeah see everyone's it makes you feel good <laughs> so we wanted to we wanted to replicate that at squeeze so we have a little mat that sits outside our door that says good for the soul and soul is s-o-l-e good so it's got like yeah. a cute Put little it, get it you know and there's cute little things like that actually that exist all around the shop but the one other thing I was going to say about the design so very similar to dry bar in that they you know you flip the experience of looking at yourself with wet hair and instead you get to watch fun movies and then when when the whole thing is said and done you turn around and you look at yourself and when you're beautiful and um, we wanted to kind of get away from the long hallway with just doors to the side so each of our suites are designed like jewelry boxes. So um, there's like a hard protective shell on the outside, for lack of a better word, and it's mil it's millwork, it's wood, it's beautiful. Um, and then on the inside, it's rounded and curved and soft, very much oh, wow. like the experience that you get when you open a jewelry box. And again, it's just there's all of those little, yeah, all of those little thoughtful details about, you know, about, about the experience is 
is what makes good design <laughs> so good. I mean, it's just yeah. so, you know, it's so different. And, you know, Josh, our architect, and Cameron, my ex-husband, they, they're such a great, like, duo, you know, yeah. when you say, like, the team. And it's like, I remember when I first went in and all the graphics were up, it's like there's a second story and there's a graphic on the wall that says things are looking up. And I was like, When oh you, like, walk up God. the stairs. And I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, it's so cute. You know, and there's that's there's good. little surprises like that. And that was a big thing with Josh, I feel like, this, like, surprise and delight thing that he taught me. I'd never heard that phrase before. And I remember him telling us, like, we have to make the bathrooms in Drybar really cute. And I was like, we do? Yeah, do we? What, yeah. Why? Yeah. Their bathrooms. It's like, but because it's like, it's another, like, it's another element of like discovery. That was his big thing was like mm -hmm. always the discovery. What, how are people discovering the, the shop? And when they go into the bathroom and there's really cool wallpaper and a cool mirror and it's like feels really taken care of. It's just like another element that you love. And now it's like, I feel like that is so ingrained in me. And of course we make bathrooms nice, but I didn't know any of that. It's like, and, and that's, you know, a good lesson for entrepreneurs too, is like surround yourself with people who know things that you don't, who are better at things that you aren't, and always surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. I yeah. mean, I've certainly done that. You know, I mean, I feel like everybody's smarter than me. But, <laughs> you know, I have a different kind of smarts. I have like, a, I have the street smarts and I have a savviness and I knew hair, but, you know, we didn't, and Michael did the same thing. My brother, you know, it's like, I, we, we have, Michael and I have our own podcast too. It's called Raising the Bar. And, and, I, and it's funny. I know. It's funny how <laughs> we've, I've learned things that I didn't know about him and vice versa. And I remember we were talking to somebody about, you know, raising money and he was telling whoever our guest was that he sought out, you know, an investment banker, this woman, Janica, and how he didn't know anything. And I was like, oh, you didn't just know that? And he was like, <laughs> no, Janica taught me. And I was like, oh, I thought you were just that fucking smart. And he was like, nope. <laughs> but, you know, and he but he was smart enough to know what I've got to seek out who people yeah. who know things that I don't. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's like, you know, back to like ego. Like that's one of the things that like you have to put your ego aside and be like, I don't know this and it's okay. I don't know this and I'm going to ask for help, you know, and you can't be afraid to ask people for help around you and, and get great partners if you can. No, I, I think that's great advice. We'll make that a quotable for sure. Something that um, I, I want us to sort of be giving some, want you guys to be giving advice to those people who are listening, who are kind of figuring out what's next. And one of the things that's come up time and time and again in this conversation is the kind of brick and mortar experience, getting people out of the home, getting people away from this sort of Amazon culture. And that's probably why the customer service piece is so important, mm -hmm. but it's also why this, what did you call it? Delight? Surprise, Surprise and delight. And delight yeah. Like why that's such a value too, because people want to have something that's like nothing they would experience at home. If it's not going to be easy, then make it worth my time. Yeah. So for people who are thinking about what's next, thinking about starting another venture and kind of safely staying in the digital space. Mm -hmm. Like I see a lot of entrepreneurs coming to me saying, okay, I think I want whatever's next to be digital because then I don't have to come up with so much money and I don't have to have staff there all the time and whatever. Uh, and there are many, many companies where that makes a ton of sense or many, many ideas where that makes a ton of sense. But we are then missing out on the opportunity to surprise and delight people with a really awesome, robust um, experience. So what do you say to them? Like, don't let that stop you because X and also, oh, it is really scary. It is really expensive. Don't forget to Y. I think I actually, I'm not sure that I would necessarily 
push anyone in the direction of brick and mortar versus digital. I think that there there are a lot of cool surprise and delight moments and potential in the digital space for sure. I think though you have to go back to what excites you and what what you also personally enjoy and or how you spend your time. Like if someone were to give me a million dollars, I would want to like go travel and experience. I don't know if I would buy a ton of things. I would want to go do things. Like my husband and I don't really buy each other gifts. We give each other experiences, whether it's concerts or travel. So I think that it's, again, kind of just going back to like your passion, it's really important that you enjoy whatever it is you're going to do because it's a lot of work and time that you're putting into it. Um, But if you were going to go down an experience route of any kind. I think one of the other things that I I think about a lot with Squeeze in particular is it's easy to say that we're in the service industry, but I very passionately believe that we're actually in the people industry. And again, what what a cool opportunity it is to connect with people because we all desperately seek and want that anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's like making sure I guess it's it's about finding your why and like really the reason that you're doing something in the first place. I, I, I really do think that if you can go back to that consistently, you can surprise and delight along the way and create a great brand and business no matter, you know, how people experience it. It is interesting, the retail space right now, and I think people are hungry for experiences because the pendulum swung so far mm-hmm. in the digital in the digital world. And, you know, I know I personally experienced where I'm like, I just don't want to look at my phone anymore. You know, it's like we've been in our phones for so many years now. And I think that like, it's so nice when you're like, you're in, you're actually looking at somebody Mm -hmm. and talking to somebody. And it's like, this forum is so nice. I mean, I, I won't go down this road too long, but I recently went on a retreat and they took my phone for six days and it was like the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. And then when they gave my phone back to me, I was like, I don't really want to be on it. And then I was like in an airport and everybody was like on their phones and I was like, I don't want any of these people to be on there. We're like, why won't they talk to me? You know, and it's just, it's like, and that very quick, that passed unfortunately very quickly and I got back into the real world. But there is something, you know, with with creating an experience, mm-hmm. you, you know, where I think it's needed. And I think there, you know, you see a lot of these like, like places like The Wing and all these different places that are opening that are, you know, places where people are going to like meet up with other people and, and actually talk to people. And and I think that now more than ever is a great time to, you know, create experiences. And, um, you know, I meet friends at, at like my local coffee shop all the time now. And I, we go to a particular one because we like the seating and we like the coffee and we like that they're nice to us. And there's a lot, you know, it's like, yeah. I think I think I think the pendulum is is definitely swinging back to an experience situation. It's just got to be done right. It's like when you look at, like, for example, like Glossier, which is mm-hmm. such, which yeah. is such an interesting, f- such a phenomenal business, and it's all been built in this digital, you know, d- you know, d- direct-to-consumer, which yeah. blows my mind how successful it, it is. But it is so successful. But they opened a shop, and they created this amazing experience. And, like, she, she, Emily was smart to do that. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to create an experience if you want people – I think nowadays, if you really want people to come in and... Well, in that situation, too, some of us had to stand in line the week it opened um, <laughs> to have that experience, but we were... Did you love it? Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> but, but, but it was, 
we were excited and yeah. had an and you waited in line to go in a store for what it was going to be based on the the the, the well based on the experience yeah. of opening the box and yeah. it was like right. well if this is so great the digital then experience that better be phenomenal and it, and it, and it, it was disappointing it was. right yeah. Yeah. yeah it was yeah which which is why you know that's such a great example of you know being able to do both mm -hmm. you know in the digital space and create an experience it's like you, I feel like you don't survive. You won't survive in this landscape if you don't have a great experience. Yeah, and you were saying even digitally, what's a digital example of a great experience? You know, it's funny that you say that because I was trying to think. Um, of Glossier. Well, I mean, Glossier isn't a great example for sure. I'm. I'm what about one that there is literally no tangible product? Ah, uh, gosh. Can you think um, of one? Sorry, I know. <laughs> no, um, I'm thinking. Gosh, I'm, I really I'm wish. At I my really wish that I could. On my phone. Okay, we'll we'll come back. If something comes to mind, yeah. interrupt me because I'd be curious, and I'm sure our listeners will be curious. Yeah. So, um, I want to ask you guys sort of just a couple more questions about kind of your own trajectory. And again, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are currently entrepreneurs. They've launched. They're growing, or they're really thinking about it, and they're listening to your stories to sort of inform their own. What's the next move for me? And what would you say is a guarantee when you make kind of the entrepreneurial leap? What's a guarantee that, like, expect this? And where do you give yourself grace? Like, did you say, okay, uh, life's going to be really busy and I have kids, so here's what I'm going to give myself grace for. Or here are the non-negotiables. Like, what, what are the, like, sort of life lessons that you'd like to pass on to somebody who's really thinking about taking that leap? Good one. You want to go first? Sure. Um, well, I think you can definitely expect to have all of your flaws and all of your insecurities and all of the things that you are not good at literally, like, put out for display in front of everyone. Because – and that's just the – it's just like the, the truth. I mean, there's just things that you are not good at and the team that you're working with on a day-to-day -day basis is going to see the cracks and you have to be okay with that. You know, you have to, and you have to be okay with admitting it. Um, like Ali was saying, recognizing where someone else is better than you at certain things and giving way to that. Um, so I think definitely like you are going to realize all of the, the opportunities that you have for growth and, and hopefully recognize where other people can help you along the way. I think the other thing that I would say that's been incredibly impactful for me, and, and I don't know if it's so much giving myself grace. Well, actually, yeah, I think it is. I, I um, s choose time every single day to, to focus on myself. I meditate. I pray. I... Um, I do a daily gratitude journal. Like I, I literally write the things that I am grateful for on a daily basis. And it can be as small as, yay, my ro my roses are finally blooming too. Wow, it's really neat to be able to lead people and, and give people jobs every day. Um, but what an amazing practice that is because I think it changes so much of your perspective on a daily basis. And then I work out. I actually suffered like a terrible, terrible traumatic back injury Um like two years ago almost to the day. Um, so much so that I ended up in like the ER several times. I couldn't move for a long time. And um, and it was because I just 
stop taking care of myself. I was working so hard and traveling a bunch. And so I, I literally don't go a day anymore without, well, maybe that's a little, a little, <laughs> you know, of an exaggeration, but I, I try every day to work out at least and to take care of myself. I just feel like it's so, so important. I mean, health is wealth at the end of the day. And I, I just, I can't like stress that enough that your, your daily habits and the things that you choose to set your mind straight and get like, get in a good rhythm will make or break your success. Amen to that. I think there's a lot of busy entrepreneurs out there who just say, I got to work. There's no time for that. Um, I have fallen victim to that. And so you're preaching to, <laughs> to the choir here. But also I think the result of it is actually better product, better work product. Very and so. you're more kind of, you're firing on all cylinders and you're alive and you're awake and you're yeah. paying attention and you're healthy and yeah, it's a benefit to the team as well as as exactly. well as you. Exactly. It's better for yourself, better for your business, better better for people around you. It does make a big difference. Okay, Allie. Like advice, go for it, do this, and grace that you should have. Um, I mean, I think it, there's a lot of similarities with what, with what Brittany said. And, you know, any entrepreneur starting out um, doesn't will, – will certainly underestimate the pain and of the, the workload yeah. and the non – you know, work-life balance that kind of just goes out the window. I mean, I, I, of course, everyone gets asked all the time, how do you balance I, I never ask anymore. I yeah, it's like asking. it's just a silly question because there's <laughs> yeah. no such thing. And and we all kind of at this point know that. And, um, you know, I think for me, I, I think I, just because Brittany and I are such close friends, I know Brittany has a really great resolve, you know, in terms of all the things that she does. I think for me, I, I'm not as disciplined as I would like. I kind of like lean on those things when I'm going through like a hard time and then I like tend to let them fall by the yeah. wayside when I'm not I'm like I'm happy I don't need any of that now <laughs> and then and then the next week I'm like oh I'm so sad I gotta start meditating and writing in my journal again and you know but I you know I did learn those lessons and yeah. I remember even like in the early days of dry bar you know when I was you know just working like a dog and and I was like making sure I was you know I got my kids to school and then I was at the office by nine o'clock and and then I would, you know, as soon as I was done with work, I'd go home and I'd have, you know, be with my kids because they're so young. And, um, you know, now that they're older, you, you know, as it's it's so nice that yeah. they're not like they can actually take care of yeah. themselves and film things. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're real people now, you know, it's it's pretty amazing. So you have, I have more leeway now, but in, in the early days, like, you know, same thing with Brittany. Like I just didn't, I wasn't working out. I wasn't eating well. And on, all of a sudden I started to really experience burnout and I was like, I, I am the boss. Like I can decide to not take a meeting before 10. Yeah. What, nobody can fire me. Like, and that was like a really interesting realization for me that I remember when that came and I was like, oh shit, I can do that. You know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to drop off my kids and then I'm going to go work out and then I'll be in the office. And you know, of course, like sometimes I'd, I, I had to like be in a meeting at eight o'clock and things, whatever. But I, I did get myself finally, and this was like year three. So it wasn't like, it, took a while to it, it was like out. six months yeah. after we started driver. It took me a really long time, but I wouldn't, you know, and I would tell people now to like, try to take care of yourself. Like Brittany, you know, I echo what Brittany says so much because it is, you will experience burnout faster. You won't enjoy what you're doing if you're not doing the things that like replenish your soul, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it's like getting massages and getting facials and doing things that like are relaxing and calming to me are things that are essential you know, that I do, you know, and regularly enough where I, I feel like I get that, that break and release. And I, and I also recently started doing transcendental meditation, which is like life changing. Really? I mean, it's such an amazing, 
for me it was anyways. And I was just like, you know, I needed, I needed something else. And, and that was something that really, you kind of saved me when I was like going through a lot of stuff and, you know, and you have to find that thing. And then, which I need to be better about is like sticking with a routine. I mean, my life is, you know, probably unlike Brittany's, it's like every day is different for me. Like there's different meetings, there's different, you know, things I'm working on, like a TV show. I'm doing all sorts of stuff now that it's like every day is like, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing until I look at my calendar for the next day. And it's yeah. just, I don't go sit in an office or do that anymore. So it's, you know, it's like, I have to really be careful and cognizant of like not letting, not getting swept away in it all, you know? Yeah. It, the, I think that's a hard one, especially the busy, yeah. the busier you are. Okay. So that you just said the transcendental meditation. So I'm just going to ask you really quickly, what are some um, hacks that you guys do, life hacks that you do to sort of, it can be an app that you have. It can be something that you do to just kind of keep you grounded and, and on track. You know, we both hike. We hike a lot together. Mm -hmm. I live in Laurel Canyon. So I, you know, my street is like a great hike and Brittany and I just did it yesterday and you can, you get up to the top and you can see all of LA and it's pretty magical. And for me, it's like, I have to be outside or working out or doing something physical every day. I also have, I mean, talk about like one of the things that, you know, I'm most grateful for it. I, I made a purchase of an infrared sauna that is in my house now, which is like the greatest thing on earth. And I, it's like, it, it, it like, it like, soothes my soul and it was like you know that was like one of those things that like what did you buy yourself when you could finally buy yourself something really <laughs> that nice was it. that was it um and it's amazing and so I you know I try to get in that a few times a week and it's just like do, making sure I'm doing something where I sweat every day and you know get like the blood flowing is I think and essential. also it sounds like just taking care of self if you can't have yeah. an infrared sauna it's just that taking if you can't yeah I mean self. get like you know there's like mats you can buy sure. or you can go to shape house I think that's how it all started yeah. for us we started going to shape house and they like rock wrap you up like a little burrito and and you sweat mm-hmm. for an hour and it's like sweating out toxins I know it sounds like a little woo-woo but that that's, no, that's real you. I feel like yeah. when you get that stuff out of your system it's it's a, it's like a flushing out of you know I think sweating every day it's, is essential. Is a good thing. Yeah, how about I, you, Brittany? I always say sweating it's it's like good for the body, better for the mind. Like yeah. it really is, you know, so so important. So I mean, I think I talked about the gratitude journal. I really do feel like practicing gratitude has been transformational for me, just in terms of I've always been a very positive person and super optimistic, but um, it's just been grounding in a different way. I think like almost one of those I don't have as much fear anymore because I recognize how the littlest things that actually don't cost a lot of money or require a lot make you the happiest. And so it's just like a shift in perspective that's been so, so meaningful. Um, and then I think the other thing that I do is I um, I love to go to Plate Fit. If anyone is in LA and you haven't been to Play Fit, I'll do a little plug just because it's another female-founded <laughs> business. You do love it. It's amazing. And and for me personally, just with my back injury, it was incredible because it's high intensity. So you literally sweat. It's only 27 minutes, but it's low impact. So it doesn't hurt. And But I ride my bike to it every single day. And that is like my time where I'm like, oh, it's like fresh air in your face and it's, it's like hiking. I mean, it really is kind of just that moment. And again, I don't do it every day, but I try and do it as frequent as I can because I really recognize how it feeds my soul. And you have to, you just have to choose to find time to do those kinds of things for yourself. So you just said feeding your soul. So we'll end with 
Um, our brand is Liberty. This podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Everything we do is really to liberate the woman um, through entrepreneurship. And we sort of think that's one of the ways you can do it. What does the word liberty mean for each of you? Gosh, I feel like the, the thing that pops to mind is like the freedom to do what you want to do. Yeah. I, I think that's the one that most people feel like when they, when we ask that question, it's like, just I mean, freedom. what really pops in my head is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes. Well, I think of like the, you know, the Statue yes. of Liberty and yeah. like all the liberty stuff is coming to my brain, but it's true. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, especially with everything that's going on in the world today, it's like, and the things that we're having to fight for and, you know, yeah. it's just, it's crazy times. It and, is. And it's, and it's really important that, you know, that, that this female, you know, kind of surge of business, you know, leaders and in politics and all of that continue to kind of keep marching forward to, you know, to save us, you know, <laughs> I mean, sorry, I won't get too political, but man, do we need women, you yeah. know, in office yeah. and at, in leading companies and, it's, and everywhere you know, we need everywhere. parity. We yeah. absolutely yeah. do. And I'm a big, sorry, I will, I will stop after this, but I'm a, you know, I'm also a big, like, I, I, I get asked a lot, you know, and there's a lot of like negativity towards men and, you know, and I'm a, you know, I'm a big believer in like just equality. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just all well, you're be raising equal. Boys, I'm not saying, so, yeah. yeah, and I'm raising boys and my business partners are men and like, I like men, you know, and <laughs> as long as like, <laughs> sorry, weird. Um, but as long as like everyone's equal, I feel like there shouldn't be like, you know, women right. are better, or men are better. We're just equal. And then right. we could get to that point, I think, and, and to your point, parody. It's like everybody have, you know, that there's this balance. There should be a balance. And, and yeah. I think we'll all be better for it. I agree. It's kind of ironic, actually, because the three words that I use to describe this whole entrepreneurial experience are um, exhausting, <laughs> overwhelming, but most importantly, liberating. Mm. That is that is the word I that it. I use. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting when you think about it because it's it's kind of funny. I mean, we're like talking on this podcast. People are, you all are here. People are going to listen to it. And when you think about it, it's, it's such a funny concept really because, I mean, who are, we're just two people who, you know, obviously Ali has created like an amazing business. But I think the reason that people are so intrigued by it and like founders in general, especially women, are kind of, you know, elevated today is it's because it's the dream. Mm -hmm. And that's when I think, that's what I think about liberation is like, it is the dream because you, you aren't having to report to anyone else. I mean, right. I mean, that is like freedom in and of itself is to not be bound by anything. And I think that's why there's this fascination in general around um, entrepreneurship now. I mean, it's obviously always existed, but I think it's because we all want to be free. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a different conversation than the Freedom. glass ceiling yeah, exactly. conversation that has right. been going on for so yeah. long. Yeah. It's a different yeah. conversation. It is. And it's like when you think when, when you think about when we were kids, like it was all like it felt, at least it felt to me like more corporations, like yeah. obviously like social media has really changed the game, but you didn't have access, you know, to to people who owned companies. We didn't even know who owned companies. Yeah. You know? and, and now and you sharing do. their own lives and being vulnerable about and, and being right. accessible. And, yeah. and like I, you know, I mean, I do my very best. I have so many people who reach out to me on uh, Instagram and I try to respond to as many as I can. And people are always like kind of shocked. And I'm like, well, I saw it. So I responded to it. You know, right. it's like, I don't always see it. Yeah. But if I see it and it's like, there's something I can like tell you what I think, I'll tell you, you know, and that whole mentality just didn't, 
wasn't a thing when it we wasn't were growing up, you know. And you guys coming here today and sharing your story with us um, is so meaningful, not only to this group, but to all the listeners. Thank you guys for being transparent. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for telling your story. We wish continued success at Dry Bar and great success at Squeeze. And we will all be getting our massages and blow dries very soon. We'll be <laughs> signing up this week. Thanks so much, you guys, for coming. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Absolutely. Take care. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. <laughs>